fall upon earth to bind their spell. Air to speed its travel well. Black, Black spirits and white, red spirits and gray, hearken to wine spirits and witches this day. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Wine, Spirits, spirits and, and Witches. And tonight we're cheating because we're not drinking wine, we're drinking beer. But it's a spirit. It's a, yes, so we, technically we're not cheating. We're just like giving ourselves some options and variety. You right. know, sometimes it may be wine, another time, last time it was Straga. Right. Um, I mean, who knows, maybe we'll just start like shooting like $3 vodka pretty soon here, right? <laughs> well, sometimes we'll have the wine in here, for sure, for sure. I think next time, you know, I went crazy at the grocery store the other day. I went down the wine aisle and there's just so many cool ones and they have such cool witchy labels now. And like, I think that some of these are just definitely designed by witches. Like some of them, like, you can't tell me that they're not. One that I had was called Eve. Oh. And it was a Chardonnay and the label is a picture of an apple. Oh, wow. And so I'm just like, that's, that's witchy as fuck right there. I was all about that. So I'll find a good one for us for next week. Okay, sounds like a plan. I'm going to have a very good star. I'm going to need to buy a house um, with an extra room just to create a wine cellar. Right. Because now I have an excuse to buy all of the wines that I don't actually need because now I actually need them. Yeah, you do. It's a requirement. It is. So today we're talking about the witch's bag of tricks. And told of, of the trade. Yeah, so we're going to get all into the nitty-gritty of that, of pronunciation. And when I say getting into pronunciation, I mean Monica and I are going to argue over how things should be pronounced. Um, and just kind of all different parts of it, what they do and why we need them. So my first question to you, Monica, is do we actually need tools? In reality, we do not need tools. All we need is ourselves, but... We like tools. We like our toys. We like using things. For instance, um, your pointer finger is just as powerful as any athami or wand. If you don't have an athami or wand, you can use your middle finger to cast a circle or to do anything you need to do that you Wait, would... Wait, our middle finger or no, no, pointer? No, your pointer finger. Okay, our pointer finger. So a wand or an athami or an athame, however you want to say it, is an extension of our hand basically that's what it, it is so when in when in need you don't have your thumb or you want you can use your finger i've actually done that plenty of times in circle and that's just because i'm very forgetful and i think my athame has been sitting in my car since june oh boy yeah it did not get repacked into the ritual bag after we did a witchy camping trip it will eventually make its way back in there but until then i have been using my my pointer finger and i think I think I've been doing okay. And it works really well, doesn't it? Yeah, it totally does. But you know what? I love having my athame. I I think I'm on athame number three now. Oh, whoa. But no, number two. I'm sorry. No, three. Three. But I didn't really like the other two that I had. Like, they were okay. And I actually feel like the last one that got lost really was kind of on purpose because now I have the one that I have and I absolutely love it. It is so cool looking. It's iron. And the blade and the handle are all one piece of metal and the handle's like twisted at the end. It was actually a birthday present too from my coven. So that makes it even more special. So I'm actually kind of glad that my athame got lost because I love the one that I have now. Well, that's important. You have to love your tools. Exactly. You and that, that's a big thing. So 
that's actually something I wanted to talk about tonight because, you know, both of us work at the Green Man store. We both do readings there. But we also work downstairs in the retail portion. And so very often I get asked, like, well, can I actually buy my own tarot deck? Can I buy my own this or that? Because I was told that someone has to gift it to me or it's bad luck. Mm. Have you ever had that happen? Where I heard that. that. I did hear that. Yeah, so I hear that a lot. But, you know, I'm here to say that I don't believe that's true. I don't believe it's true at all. Like, yes, my athame was gifted to me. Um, but a lot of the stuff I've bought myself, and that's because I am one picky bitch. Uh-huh. And I'm so picky that, like, nobody else is really going to know what I like. So I want to make sure that I love my magical tools and like them. Absolutely. I agree. My my wand was made for me. And it's a beautiful, beautiful wand. I mean, that's one of my prized possessions. And it was made and carved for me by a very dear friend back east named Bobby. And I still, and that was, it's very old. I use it to this day. It's been over, God, over 20 something years that I have my wands. But if you are going to use a wand, um, if you go harvest it yourself, um, that's one of the best ways to get your wand. So just remember, if you're taking a branch from the tree, try to look for fallen branches around the tree. But if you must take a branch from a tree, make sure you leave an offering in its place and be thankful for an offering yeah. such as I usually when I harvest things from plants, I usually try and give them water. Well, sometimes you can like leave something personal, like a little snippet of your hair, mm-hmm. um, maybe a crystal, some monies, coins you can use, whatever. But make sure you leave an offering or if you want to even get a little ecology-wise, you can use use um, some seeds for the birds to eat or bread for the birds to eat or, oh, I like or food, that. you know, just something that's going to go back into the earth or go into, like, be useful to the animals around. See, I'm all for that because I'm really into, um, when I say green witchery, I don't mean being a green witch in the traditional sense. I mean green witchery as in going green and being eco-friendly and... I've realized that a lot of the things that we use and the things that we use as offerings and stuff aren't exactly eco-friendly. And that that can be something that we get a little bit more in depth into a little later. Right. But like uh, throwing money or crystals into the ocean after ocean magic, like I get it. Or even like a lot of magical things say like you have to go dispose of your spell work in a stream or moving water. And I'm sure that works, and that's the correct and original way to do that. But now we have, like, you know, an ocean with a fucking country-sized, like, just floating plastic in there. Yeah. So yeah. I don't really want to throw my witchcraft into there. So instead, like, of throwing money or crystals, I'd, like, put fruit in the ocean fruit now. Works. Fruit so works. So I, I like the idea of putting birdseed down when you harvest your wand. Right. That would be a good idea to do. So what I've done in the past, it's actually funny because I think, honestly, the wand is the only thing I don't have. Really? I used to have a wand. It was from a lilac tree that grew in my grandmother's backyard. Oh, wow. But I made it with somebody that ended up being really weird. And every time I looked at the wand, I had this weird association where I would just think of that person. And I felt like that was kind of tainting my relationship with the wand. So I decided to get rid of it. Okay. Um, And for the life of me, I can't forget how I did that. Well, 
Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, you know what, what happened to that thing? Because I honestly don't, don't know. even know. Mm, interesting. So, I mean, I know I never used it, but I don't remember if I actually got rid of it or what happened to it that I'm not sure, but it was made out of lilac. And for the most part, it was pretty cool. I do plan on, on making a wand pretty soon. And I think what I want to do is just either, I don't think at this point where I live now, I have a tree that I have a relationship with so right. I'll probably go hiking and see like what talks to me or something like that and kind of try and figure out what type of tree it is and go look at the energetic correspondences yes because there are correspondences yeah so you do want to look at that and then I think I'll make mine but when you select a branch that's fallen or if you take one from the tree whatever you're going to do now there's an actual measurement that needs to be made that's right and a lot of people are not aware of this but when you're making your wand personal to you it has to be from the elbow hold it up to your elbow to start and it has to come all the way down to your middle finger that's the length of it now if you're going to put a crystal at the end of it as long as it meets you know up to your middle finger so you can get a wood that maybe comes up to your knuckles and then maybe or into to your second set of knuckles and then maybe put the crystal there at the end to meet the requirements of the measurements from the elbow to the middle finger is it okay if you find a stick that actually goes to your middle finger and then attach a crystal anyway well it should be longer? yeah it should be like just to your middle finger okay so you want to try and keep it just to your middle finger Lengthwise, wow yeah. i guess that beer is catching up to me your middle finger yes and so that's where you want it to be okay cool I like that and you know you can also buy wands and you can buy really beautiful wands yes. but you can also buy really basic ones I mean I've seen them uh there's a woman that makes beautiful wood carvings and stuff and so sometimes she'll just send over kind of blank wands is what I'll call them where she's like left the handle but it's smooth enough and then she's kind of sanded down the rest and it's right. about about basic wand size, but other than that, there's no carvings, <coughs> yeah. no crystals, anything on it, which I like because maybe she has the piece of wood that I really want, and then I can kind of just trick it out myself. Mm -hmm. You can definitely add to it, for sure. So my question, and this is me just being being lazy, because again, the wand is probably the only thing I don't have, but I have an athame, and I use that when I'm in circle and I'm, I'm cutting the circle and stuff like that. So I always think to myself, I'm like, see, I can get away with not having a wand. So far, I've been pretty lucky. But now that I've called myself out, I know I won't be. Uh -huh. But what, are your, what do you see as the major differences between the two and why you need both? Well, it's a matter of preference what you want to work with. You know, sometimes I'll use my autonomy to cast a circle and to do any magical workings that I'm doing and sometimes I feel wand so it's a matter of preference I think mostly though to be honest with you I use the autonomy to cast a circle most of the time yeah that's what I've always used and I again I really really love mine so I think I will continue to use it this is actually kind of just a funny story that I was thinking about as we talk a little bit more about at the maze because I told you guys that Monica and I were going to argue over how you say this so I say athame she says athami which makes sense because of the way it's spelled but it's actually kind of spelled like a theme right yeah, a theme. yeah. Um, I think I remember the first time I tried to spell athame I didn't see it written down and I wrote a-t-h-m-a-y I think <laughs> yeah. is what I wrote um, but just so you guys know, the correct spelling is A-T-H-A-M-E. Right. But we were in ritual and we needed to cut something. 
and everybody came with their athames and they were so blunt like it would not cut at all and we're like oh shit yeah, oh my god yes <laughs> and so i remember you making a joke about it like oh dear god a coven that can't cut or something <laughs> and so that's always kind of stuck with me so now i make sure that my athame is sharpened right even though I think that's the only time I've ever actually cut anything with it because a lot of the things that you cut with an athame is very symbolic. Right. And so it's just like the one fucking time that we actually needed to cut something and it wasn't going to cut a piece of paper. Right. <laughs> and it is a double, double blade instrument. Double edged. Double edged instrument. So that's, that is very um, normal for an athame, double edged at the end. And it is considered a, a lethal weapon, so make sure if you're driving to someone's house to do ritual, you keep it in the trunk so you don't get in trouble. Yes. Um, yeah. I've actually thought about that a couple times, especially because I do know some people that in, in lieu of having athames, they have swords. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, how, how are you transporting this? I guess you just stick it in the trunk. Yeah, and the know? trunk is the safest spot. And, you know, it is known that you're supposed to be making all of your tools, but... Let's face it, I am no silversmith or smith, or I don't know how to work with metal. So most of the tools that you're going to buy for yourself will be bought. Yes. I recently saw a thing, and one of the instructions on it was to make all your tools. And the first thing I thought was, dear gods, how am I supposed to make a fucking athame? I am in right, trouble. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of these things, all of these things can be bought. And the cool thing about an athame, which is our ritual dagger... Is first off, if you go to Ren Fair, you can buy all this stuff. The first time I went to a Renaissance fair, I was in like a witchcraft shopping mall. It was amazing. But a lot of them you actually can make. Like obviously I think the wand is gonna be the easiest to make. Um I would I would say maybe like a sensor you could probably make out of clay. Yeah. You yeah, know, probably. like, or, like, even, like, just, like, a water dish. Like, on our altar, we have, like, a dish with water in it. That's something that can be made out of clay that can be made yourself. If you are super crafty or at least really patient, you can even make a broom yourself. I've yes. even seen, like, broom-making classes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so those are definitely things that you can make yourself smudge fans. You can do that yes. on yourself as yes, well. Yes, true. Or even just harvesting them. Um, one that's really great to have on your altar is a shell. And you can do this to represent the water element or right. I work very closely with Venus. So I have a lot of shells on my altar for her. And that is something that you can just find if you're near a beach. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes you'll find some really magical things at yard sales. I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but I have found some of my magical, most magical tools at a yard sale. <laughs> so you'll never, you know, someone's junk is your treasure. I am the thrifty witch. I love going to thrift stores, and the first thing I do is hit, like, the tchotchke, like, knick-knack yes, section. absolutely. Just to see what's there, because I find the coolest stuff. A couple times I found these, like, glass candle holders that were in the shape of stars, and then in the middle was, like, the little hole to stick the candle. Yeah. For, like, a taper candle. But the cool thing about it is that the star almost was, like, this shallow dish, so now when I do candle magic with just little tapers, instead of like rolling every all the herbs and stuff on on the candle, I can sprinkle everything in the candle holder and it just holds it. That's great. It was my like favorite thrifty find. So like fuck yeah, go Goodwill. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you can definitely find some magical stuff out there. Just look, and it's reasonably priced. You don't have to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for something. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's the other thing is you really don't. And I mean I've I'm. Pretty 
pretty sure that in the past I paid some like buku bucks for some of my witchy stuff yes. and I don't think I actually have any regrets because I probably love whatever it is. I can't think of any of it right now, which probably means I got it early on in my witch career. In my witch career. Yes. Um, but I love everything that I have. So if it's something that I love, I have no problem spending a bunch of money on it. I think especially when it comes to the things that we work with so closely, you need to be able to look at it and be happy about it and smile and be like, wow, I really love this, this item. Because if you're just looking at your stuff and you're like, well, that's just okay, then I feel like, not that it takes away from your power as a witch, but, like, don't you think it kind of makes you, like, approach your magic as, well, that's just okay. Like, you have that vibe to it. Yeah, it's much better if you're really attached to it and you really love it. I mean, it makes it much easier and much more powerful, I think. Oh, absolutely. And... One tool that I really wanted to talk about was the broom, the witch's broom. It is so iconic when you see the witch and, like, the silhouette of a witch flying on her broomstick and there's a full moon. And almost every time that you see a witch on TV or in pop culture, she's got a broom. Uh Hocus Pocus was awesome because at one point they replaced it and they had a mop and a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But I wanted to talk about the witch's broom, and the one thing that now comes to mind all the time is the Salem Witch Trials, actually, because I remember we we took a field trip to Salem. It was amazing. And not to say that I didn't know the history, but it was one of those things that I got to just, like, really hear it from, from people that lived there that said it a lot, and I'm sure some of it's not really accurate, but it was just a really different experience being there. Yes. And the energy was really heavy in some parts. But there was a time when we were going through one of the museums and they were talking about how the girls and and just the whole town basically started seeing women fly in the night sky on brooms. And it's just one of those things because I thought about my broom at home and I thought about my car and I was like, I really fucking wish my broom flew. That would make my life so damn easy. So I wanted to talk about the witch's broom today and what it really is because unfortunately... At least mine doesn't doesn't let me fly. Yeah, and I think they, I think what they were talking about back then is because I think they were doing um, drugs for hallucination and thinking that they can fly. Uh, I think that's where that came from. So it wouldn't surprise me, even if they didn't know that they were doing stuff that would make them hallucinate. They probably thought it was like medicine. So, but I mean, it just when we're talking about the Salem witch trials in general, that was just a time of such fear. Yeah, you know. So you could have probably said just about anything, and someone would have believed you, and it would have created mass hysteria. Yes. But let's talk about the witch's broom. Okay. Well, what are some of the things that you can use a witch's broom for? So one thing that I know is you can use it for cleansing. Absolutely. Cleansing the the ritual space. Yes. Your ritual space, your home. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing you can do with your broom. Now, this isn't something that you can do. It's not like sweeping your floor at home. You use your ritual broom to ritually clean your house. This is all about magical hygiene. Right. And you would sweep from your back door or I guess the back of your house. See, I thought it was kind of funky when I heard this too, but I was told from the back to the front. Um, so what you do is you sweep from the back all the way to the front and then off your property. Uh-huh. And it takes all that negativity and everything off. And I was instructed to do that on a new moon. Okay. But and you can do it at any time you need it. You know what? When we get into magical timing, there is times that is ideal for things. Yes, absolutely. But 
there are times that like if I really really need money and it's Tuesday like yes I want to wait till Friday but my bills are due on Thursday so I'm going to do my candle on Tuesday and hope for the best that's right so what I try and do is on the new moon I will try and keep up that just as like my habit and my routine and ritual that I do but if I feel like the house is funky or something like that I'll bust out the broom and do it sooner sure so you you sweep and if you don't have a back door you can just start from the back of the house I feel like I always end up starting in my kitchen uh-huh and I sweep the entire house back to front and I don't necessarily actually sweep everything onto the street just because I don't want to damage my broom because I do have a pretty long front yard. So I will sweep everything into a dustpan and then throw it out the front door onto the street. Uh-huh. So that is one thing that you can use the broom for is when you're cleaning your space or cleaning your ritual space. Absolutely. You can also use it to define your ritual space. Yes, as a threshold for crossing over into ritual circle or ritual space. Absolutely. I was actually really excited. So when I moved into the house I was in, there's already someone living there who's my roommate. And I think I won like world's best like roommate contest. My roommate's the shit. And, but I hadn't met him first. And so I walked into the house and I was like, God, is this guy going to be cool with all like my weird shit and my witchy stuff and my like taxidermy and my 8 million animals and like, really, like I won the best roommate award and he probably won like worst roommate award. Um, so I, mo- I, I like saw the place and the first thing I noticed was that there was a broom over the front door and uh-huh. I instantly relaxed. I was like, okay, I may be like a roommate with a million inconvenient things, but I think we're going to get along just fine. And now if you look over basically any threshold in our house, there's something weird and witchy over each and every one of them. And by hanging a broom over the threshold, it is a protective measure. And also by standing a broom by the doorway with the bristles up. up. Yes, that's a protective uh, method as well. And there is um, an old wives' tale. And this is something that, from my understanding, is really um, dominant in the South. Is that if someone is sweeping and they accidentally sweep your foot, it means you're going to jail. Oh, great. Have you ever heard that? No, never heard yes. that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, don't sweep anybody's feet. My stepdad's family was from the South, and so I remember one time I was sweeping and I swept his foot, and he was like, oh, no, 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 I am not going to jail today. Oh, and he funny. made me come back and let him spit on the broom. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. So now you know how to counter that in case you get your yep, foot you sweeped. S- you spit on it. And, you know, it's one of those things. And then one of my other friends whose family is from New Orleans, and he said the same thing, that, like, his mom, like, if you, like, swept her foot on accident, she would chase you around the house so she could spit on the broom. So it's wow. something that I've heard from multiple people. And it's always, like, stood out in my mind. You know how you find those things that just stand out? Right. You, you hold on to them. Mm-hmm. My husband was sweeping the other day, and he swept my foot, and I, I like, made a joke about it, but I was being kind of serious, and I made him come back so I could spit on the broom. Cool. I'm not about to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> no jail for us. No jail. My uh-uh. husband's just sitting here silently shaking his head at that. He's like, yep, she spit on her goddamn broom. <laughs> <laughs> So what else can we, we use, but what have you used brooms for in your personal experience? Because one thing I think about magic, at least for me, it's definitely about what we can be taught and what the tradition is, but it's also about like where our relationship is with it and what we kind of decide to do with it from there, you know? Basically, I use it for cleansing the ritual space and for protection. That's the two main things that I use it for. So um, I don't really, and for, clean, you know, cleansing, 
But that's about that's about it. I don't fly around on it or anything like that. Well, that's disappointing. I, would, I know, I know. I'm trying, but it's it's just not working. Um, I use mine for photo ops as well. Like, oh, like yeah. I gotta say, there is a picture of me um, with one of my friends reading from this giant book of shadows, and it took like eight hundred tries to get this picture. But I'm jumping, so it looks like she's enchanting the broom, and I'm like sailing off. That's cool. It was pretty exciting. My old broom was also used by uh, many uh, go-go dancers as well. I co-produced a witchy burlesque show called Bell, Book, and Candle. And we wanted, like, especially when we were first starting and really figuring out what we were going to do, we really wanted to make sure that people understood, like, we're witches and this is what's up. So I actually brought my broom and lots of really delicious-looking go-go boys uh, grinded on that thing pretty hard <laughs> on stage. It has since been retired as a working ritual broom. Yes, but I guess it, so. it started that way. Um, and the cool thing was it was black. Oh, nice. It had black bristles. It was so cool looking. I almost regret letting it become a stripper prop. But, yeah, it it really added to the show. But that's something we can talk about um, is that I did want to bring up to you is using your tools specifically for magic and using your mundane stuff specifically for mundane stuff. I do not believe in mixing mundane with magic. I believe you should have your own little magical cabinet with your herbs and your tinctures and your oils and your candles and that and your honey and whatever you're going to use in ritual stays there. Some people believe and that's fine. It's their beliefs and they can choose to do what they want, but they can, they'll go to their cupboard and get salt and stuff. I don't believe in that. I feel like it's sacred and it needs to stay sacred. I 100% agree with you. Uh, Like you will never see me chopping an onion with my athme. No. Unless it's, like, one of the onions that you, like, stick in, like, a sick person's sock or something, you know? Because that's a thing where you can, like, stick sliced onions in sick yes. people's socks and all these things. So, so maybe, I guess, I would use my athame for that. But even then, I'd probably go for my kitchen knife. Yes. Um, I've never mixed candles. Like, I do have, like, my emergency candles and stuff like that that are used for, for just, like, if the power goes out or something. And then I have my magical candles, and they're not going to be lit. Like, it's not cross-contamination, so to speak. But... One thing that I've always thought about is back in the day, I mean, witchcraft was pretty, like, dominant back in the day anyway, whether people knew it or not, but a lot of people were really poor and resources were real scarce. Like, I think we live in a day, especially where you and I live in Los Angeles, like, we have a million witchcraft stores, metaphysical stores everywhere. Like, I just went and bought spell candles at the grocery store. I know. Now the grocery stores are carrying witchy stuff yeah like botanica candles it was rad i loved it so like you know i got everything for dinner and my money ritual all in one i was i was pretty happy camper but i mean it's everywhere and we're really lucky that we have things like the green man store or even amazon like just at our disposal Uh but back in the day they didn't so you gotta think about if they were gonna work a candle spell like they probably made that themselves sure so you mean to tell me that you think that these people have their sacred salt and then their cooking salt or if they were like, oh, this spell calls for basil. Well, I better go get my witchcraft basil. Oh, shucks, I'm out. I got to go all the way to the market for that. No, they got it out of their cabinet and they the shit did. worked just as well. Yeah, but I have that stigma. I just think that it's sacred and it needs to stay sacred. That's my idea. I agree with you. I don't always practice that. But in case of an emergency, like let's say the spell has to be done and you're out, I might consider using something from the mundane cabinet. If I needed to. I've, I've done that where I've been in the middle of something and realized like, okay, like I need 
pink salt uh -huh. and there just wasn't any in my cabinet because I do I have a little antique china cabinet that I have all my stuff in so I just went and got it out of the kitchen and I had could feel Monica's disapproving glare <laughs> behind me not even like hearing her voice in my head like I could feel her giving me this look there's this look I have to like get it on camera and like post on Instagram one of these days it's like the look of Monica disappointment where she looks at you and she's like, I love you and I'm not going to tell you that I'm disappointed, but I'm really disappointed right now. Uh -huh. I'm getting that look right now. <laughs> but I, I can feel that when I do. It's like I know it's not the best thing right. to do. Right. Uh, one time my roommate was cooking and we were out of rosemary. And he looked at me because he knows that rosemary and me are like best magical friends. He's like, hey, so we don't have any rosemary. And I looked over at my apothecary and I saw a jar full of it. And I was like, I can't give this to you for your salmon. I am so sorry. Oh, and man. I didn't tell him because I was just like looking at him like, I can't give it to him. I'm like, what do I do? Because if I don't give it to him, that's mean. You can't mess with someone's food. And I'm like, well, what are you trying to cook up in the kitchen magically? Like, what are you doing? Right. And I made him sit there and think about what he needed and why he would need rosemary and he decided that he needed to like cleanse from his day and kind of just like purge all the negativity it was a really gnarly day for him at work he's a security guard in county building so he kind of encountered some pretty nutty stuff that day he's like i need to let go of everything from today and i'm like okay well rosemary's cleansing i guess you can have a sprinkle yeah and then, and then you do magical cooking. Yes, and then he became a kitchen witch that day. So he got that little badge on, like, his Girl Scout witch, like, sash, you know? <laughs> yeah. We should totally start that and just create little badges for, like, witchy Girl Scouts to have. <laughs> so all of you guys are going to be our witchy Girl Scouts. We're going to start having sashes. We're going to make badges. You're going to have to submit photo evidence of all of your kitchen witchery and wand making and other weird shit that we're going to make you do so you can get your little badges for it. It's going to be amazing. So what other tools would you find on a witch's altar preparing for circle? Well, first of all, the altar, we need a space to do the magic on and put, put the things on. And it doesn't have to be like this ornate altar. It could be a table or a top of a dresser, whatever you consider your altar to be. I'm really fortunate that my altar, I do have like a standing altar that's always there because I do have a fireplace and I'm not in the broom closet. So I've been able to just set everything out. Uh, but some people can't, you know, and yeah. that's okay. That doesn't take away from your altar. Before where I lived, I had like a little trunk uh, that I would set everything up on and I would use when I need to. And otherwise it would be all packed away in the trunk and that's fine. That's good. That's a great idea. Yeah. So when we talk about an altar, an altar is a magical space for you to do your working on if it's big enough or do your working around so that it is the center point of your ritual where you can have your statuary and all of your witchy shit on there. Right. There's a lot of people that are going to set altars up in different ways, but there is a traditional way to do it. And the best way to think about it is that the right side is for the god and the left side is for the goddess. Right, and it should be facing north. In our tradition, it faces north. Yes, yeah, so I don't know about too many other traditions which way the altar faces, but 
in our tradition, it faces north. In Strega, it faces north. Yes. I think in Wicca, it does as well. I think in a lot of them, it faces north. Okay. Um, at home, I don't know what direction my altar's facing. It's facing whichever way my mantle is. Okay, well, you need to get a little compass as a part of your magical uh, tools. This is true. You know, I have a compass tattooed on my back. I think it would give me some more, like, nope. direction nope. in life <laughs> or in just driving, but it doesn't do shit. But it looks really pretty, okay. so there's that. Yeah. Now, you need a real compass for this. Yes, I need to get a real compass. So that is one thing that you can have in your your magical Bag of arsenal. Yes, and so we can talk about that, too. But when we talk about ritual setup... As far as your altar goes, is so we have it separating to right and left. Right. Right is God, left is, is goddess. goddess. And so obviously that's where you'll put your God and goddess statues and or candles. But past that, sometimes people go, well, I don't know. Guys, it's really simple. If it looks like a dick, you put it on the right side. <laughs> So your, your athame will go on the right side. Your incense holder will go on the right side. Then we got things with holes that kind of look like vaginas. And those go on the left side, like our cauldron, our censer, our seashell. Our chalice. Our chalice will go there, too. So what else goes on the on the right side? So we've got incense holder and athame. Obviously, like, I'm kind of lacking in, like, that god department, I guess you can tell. I can set up the goddess side real good. Yeah, so... So you want to have a representation of the goddess and God, and it could be statuary, it could be um, candle candles, or it could be images like shells or um, antlers to represent the God. So it's different and shells don't worry for the goddess. If you don't know who your patron is, because for a really long time I didn't know who my patroness was, and so I just had like the that generic like goddess that looks like she's doing like plies and her like hands are over her head and stuff. Yes, I used that for a really long time until I knew who I was really working with. And you know what? It's okay if you don't know who your specific deity is. You can always just name them goddess and god, and that's fine. I think that's fine. Yep. So. So I think that is a-okay. We have a shell that represents the water element for cleansing the, the ritual space. So it's usually a shell. You know, I've also come across someone that she was another person where, like, she's a witch and she didn't really know it. Like, she's witchy and she knows that she believes in everything, but I don't think she realizes how magically savvy she really is. But she always kept a shell on her desk at work for protection interesting yeah and so she and she started keeping one at home and she mentioned it to me and i'm like what's the shell for and she's like for protection i'm like for protection she's like yeah you gotta wash it out once in a while because it catches all the bullshit i'm like interesting yeah and so i kind of liked that so i kind of wanted to like bring that up because i have two shells Uh i have my bullshit shell and then i have my regular shell Uh Uh and then we can also you also have a sensor to burn incense in um when we're talking about a sensor versus um, an incense holder, because when you say incense holder to me, I think of those long wooden stick things that have the hole in it for right. the stick of incense. But when I think of a sensor, I think of that brass like bowl and it's got the wooden handle. That's a sensor. Right. And you can use that to burn loose incense in or anything that you're using to cleanse your space or anything else because since it has a wooden handle you're not going to burn yourself right i don't have one on my personal altar at home my coven has one but i don't i have my cauldron and for the most part my cauldron works wonderfully when i like grab it because it does have that little wire handle and stuff sometimes it's hot 
and I have to like grab a rag or a towel or right. something to hold it with so I don't burn myself. So that's like the joy of having the sensors. You can grab that wooden handle and it doesn't do that. You can cleanse your space. You can cleanse yourself, depending on what you're using. You can cleanse your dog. Absolutely. My dogs used to get really mad at me for that. Like I have this one dog, and he would look at me, and he just looked like offended. And I would like try and reiki him, and I'd get the same look, and he's like, "What are you doing?" Uh-huh. And I never really thought to ask him about. So one day I was like, "Why don't you like it when I do this?" And he's like, "You never asked my permission." Oh wow! And I was but like, that... "Oh shit!" I'm like, "I'm sorry, man." I'm like, "Can I do this?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> there you go. You got your answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, "Okay, my bad." And so other people would try, and I would just see like if he would be okay. No, he knew. He knew when you were doing reiki, you're trying to do something because he would give you this look, like, "Sir." Can you stop? stop. And it's really funny because it was my husband's dog, my husband's baby. And my husband kind of does that when you try and do magic on him. Like one time I tried, (laughs) not even doing magic. One time I had, like, I had just finished dressing a candle. So I had some kind of oil on my hand and I went to like rub his shoulders and he went to smell the oil. And he's like, what is that? What are you doing? What are you doing to me? You stop it. What are you doing? Uh-huh. Like I was, I was trying to be nice post witchcrafting, but now I'm just being suspicious. <laughs> yeah, I would be suspicious too. So yeah, my husband and his dog—they're pretty much hand in hand, so you can't do anything with them that way. But back to sensors. Yes. So you have your sensor. Um, you also have your charcoal if you need it, and your loose incense. You also have to have a little bowl, um, or um, we what we do is before we enter circle, we do a, a just a generic cleanse of the the people coming in so I have a little bowl that I made in class one day I don't know it's it's very cute it is and I made it it's not perfect but it has the four element colors on it and it's been working well you know what my god I've been in your coven how long and I didn't realize that's what the colors were yes I just saw this like little clay bowl that was put together that we put water in it has all the elements colors on there that makes a lot more sense now Uh um so let's talk about that real quick because this is something I've been on a huge kick about this, especially since I've been talking about eco-witchery and trying to encourage everyone to try and step up their magic to be a little bit more eco-friendly. When you talk about a general cleanse that you do in circle or pre-circle, circle, yes. pre-circle to let everyone in, that is called an asperge. Asperge, yes, we're asperging them. And it's very, very similar to smudging. Right, but it's you. we use sea salt and water and blessed water. Well, make sure it's spring water, not tap water. And when we can't find spring water because we then, live in Los Angeles, then you use filtered water. Yes, and you do. And you, you go and you bug your high priest or priestess to bless it. Yes. And then it magically becomes spring water. Right. Magical becomes magical water. Yes. So we, we use blessed water or spring water and salt. And then we also use a fresh sprig of rue or, or rosemary. rosemary. If you have it available, Absolutely. But you can also use like holy water or like I've even heard of people using Florida water when they when they asperge. Yes, Florida water would probably work. That would work very well. Yeah. Uh, holy water is simply blessed water. So it's basically the same thing. But you can't tell me that a, a very religious person, if I were to be like, hey, don't worry, Monica said some stuff over this water. They'd be like, awesome, get that away from me. I'm going to go get it from a church. Yeah. So well. if you need to do that, that's fine too. But the reason why I've been on this biggest virgin kick is because you don't have to light anything on fire. Right. You don't really, I mean, you do have to harvest herbs for it. You have to harvest either your rue or your rosemary. Right. But we're not 
taking from endangered plants. Like these are plants that you can even find at the grocery store. I've legit found my root plant that I have growing in my front yard at the grocery store. Yeah, sure. So it's something that's a lot more eco-friendly and you, it's great also because a lot of people that I've met that are pregnant want to try and find something to cleanse their home and you can't use sage if you're pregnant or have an infant in the home, Right. but you can asperge. And so it's a lot safer for a lot of people. It's a lot more eco-friendly. And so I'm just pushing that eco-witch agenda right now because I can. Very good. <laughs> Very good. And it's a good thing. So we do have our have our bowls, like ritual yes. bowls that you can use for offerings, you can use for asperging, you yes. can use for any other matter of things that you may or may not need a bowl for. You can also use bells, um, bells. In, in circle and on your altar too. And I think it's funny because I think the bell was probably one of the first magical items I bought uh-huh. um, as an adult witch. Because when I was a kid, I... When I was in middle school, my cousin and I would save our allowance and we would walk to this witchcraft store in North Hollywood every Friday and buy all sorts of weird little things. So I actually still have my cauldron from there that as a stoner teenager, somebody put a joint out in and I just never could get the smell out. So instead of being my ritual cauldron, it is now an ashtray, which is kind of disappointing, but it's airtight. But I'm actually really impressed that I've managed to hold on to it because I bought it when I was like 12. Wow. That is impressed. impressive. Very impressive. So that was like my, I think the very first witchy thing I bought was that cauldron. But like as an adult and being very like aware of what I was doing when I was buying, I think my bell was my first thing that I bought. And it's the one thing that I don't think I ever use. Hmm. Interesting. So you can use the bell after you call in the quarter. It's each quarter you can ring a bell to like, okay, they're in. Um, you can also use in an in outside or inside circle a bell to clear space as well bells yes. are used for clearing as well yes you can use it for and it's similar to using ting shot bells or uh singing bowls yes for just that sound octave clearing so it's another uh substitution for smudging for asperging that you can use and you'll see yes. it a lot used in like energy healing as well right just like a really random thing i have a really bad habit of talking in my sleep I wouldn't say it's a bad habit. I think it's a funny habit. I say some really weird stuff. But one time I was asleep and it just popped into my head. I'm so glad I remembered this in the morning too. I was like, snoring isn't bad. It's just sound octave clearing while you're sleeping. (laughs) And that was my my sleeping epiphany of that day. So if you don't have a bell, just find someone that snores a lot and (laughs) give them some NyQuil and bring them into circle and they got you. But you can also use bells for calling in spirits. Okay. So I have seen that done, and I've, I've heard of that, where you, like, invoke the spirit and you ring the bell. Very similar to calling the quarters, but you're not doing it as this um, signifier of, okay, it's done, like, I called them. You're doing it like, okay, I asked you to come, and now, like, I'm ringing, like, the spirit doorbell. Uh-huh. So I've seen that that happen as well. One of um, the more controversial things that I wanted to talk about, though, is the pentacle. Yeah, there should be some kind of a representative of a pentacle on the altar, whether it's a little disc or if it's in, you know, if it's incorporated into the The first thing I want to talk about, though, with it, though, is because people are so scared of the pentacle. Like, they see it and they first think Satan. 
Like, yes. it is satanic because what we're talking, when we talk about pentacle, we're talking about the star um, inside the, the circle. The five-point star, yes. Yeah. And people see that. And, man, I, I've gotten so much grief growing up from so many different people for wearing one. I've been wearing one for a really long time and partially because I was witchy and partially because I was that edgy little shitty teenager. Uh-huh. But so many people would always think it's satanic, and it doesn't matter which way the star is pointing. They would always think so. Right. But what they don't know is that when the star is pointing upwards, at least, we're talking about the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, and And spirit. Or self, yes. Or self, yeah, and tying that all together. And it's really a protective symbol. It is a protective symbol. And it goes back, I mean, in Pennsylvania Dutch you'll find them. It is a protective, protective symbol. Definitely. Yeah, it's a protective symbol, and now it's also a way for us to to spot other witches when you see them wearing true, it. True, true. But so many people, so I want to talk about that because it's something you see it, and so many people that don't know just automatically go to Satan. And it's, I'm not saying that Satanists don't wear them. They might. And like I said, like, I know some Satanists that are some pretty cool people, but so I would just say that really just depends on the person because all humans, we can either be really cool or really, really shitty, and I don't think our belief our religious belief system really has anything to do with it but when you do see the pentacle that's not what it is it just means that somebody's witchy uh-huh. and we do put them on our altar and the first time that someone was teaching me how to set up an altar and talked about the pentacle being on there she just kind of set it there and i was like well what's it for and she looked at me and she just said it like well to balance the altar of course i'm like oh okay and it represents you know like you said the four elements and and spirit so it is part of the ritual setup. And I have this really bad habit of calling it a pentagram, okay. which, it just, which, blah, 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 which it is not. It is the pentacle. When we're talking about the pentagram, that's just no the circle. star. It right, has no, no circle around yeah. it. And I use those terms as if they are interchangeable, and they are not. Yeah, they're not. So the pentacle has the circle around it. Remember that. And the pentagram is just the star. So... Being somebody that really likes having their toys and having these things, which I do, I like having them. I'm really picky about them, so I may not have many. I want to make sure I like them. But my absolute favorite thing out of all of the the magical tools that I have is my cloak. Oh, yes. In our tradition, we are required to wear um, a robe. Um, It is black, and black is, of course, in case you don't know this, a very protective color. Mm Look at the Catholic priests. They wear black most of the time with their white little thing over it, but it's black. Black is a very protective color. It's not because so much it's witchy. It is witchy, yes, absolutely, but it is protection, protective. And I think it's one of those things that along with the with the pentacle, it's really misunderstood. Like, you know, people see black candles and they're like, oh, shit, yeah. something bad is going down, absolutely. and that's not the case. So, yeah, black absorbs and repels negativity. Right. I have a robe that was actually bought for me. I, I had like a little, I attempted to elope and that did not happen. People followed me. So it ended up being a destination wedding, quote, quote. But um, while we were there, I got married in New Orleans and my husband bought me this, this cloak that I really wanted. It's made out of lace and it's handmade it's by a local artist. And I absolutely love it because I think it is beautiful. And it is beautiful. Reminds me of my wedding. It reminds me of my husband and of one of my favorite cities. So that is something that's really precious to me. And it went missing once, and I was heartbroken. I had no idea where it was, and I was beating myself up. And then months later, one of my best friends is like, "Hey, 
I don't know why I have your cloak, oh, like, wow. but I just moved and I found it in a box. So oh it came back to me. I still don't know why it was there. This isn't even someone that I think I've ever done like a ritual at their house or anything. So that's bizarre. How they got it. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, but it found its way home. So that's I'm really amazing. like happy about that. But I love it. And I've had like even brought it to the beach with me and did like a slow-mo video of, of me wearing it where it's just like fluttering in the wind. But it's one of my favorite things in the world. World. Excellent. And you have the matching one. I do. And I also have um, capes. I have my velvet capes as well. That's for the colder weather. Um, it is really nice having like a lightweight one, especially yes. being in Los Angeles where it's, it's hot. hot. Most of the year. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But on the really weird, rare occasion, we do have a cold night. So having like a velvet and like heavier one is really nice. Yes. And just so you guys know, like they need to have hoods. They need to be hoods and they need to have no buttons, but like clasps or ties. Think of like the clasps that the hobbits wear in Lord of the Rings. Like that's what you're going for. Like right. you're going for black Lord of the Rings garb and like you're fucking set to go to a straight ritual. Yeah. Also on the altar, you need a, some kind of a smudging fan. Can you use your hand to swish that smoke around when you're cleansing your circle? Absolutely, but it's really nice to have a smudging fan. You know what's weird about smudging fans is, like, I make them a lot, and, you know, uh, my dad and my stepmom were always, like, big bird people and had a million birds, so... I've made some really great ones because their their parents would give me feathers all the time or I'd find them. So I'd make really cool smudge fans. I don't personally own one. I don't like them. Oh, wow. I, I don't know what it is. I've tried to use them. I've been gifted them. I've made really cool looking ones. I actually have one right now that has, um, it's like a pale pink color. I'm really all about the color pink. And they're these ostrich feathers that were given to me. I was at a feather store getting something for a costume and this guy just was like here like why don't you take these too and so I made like I call it the showgirl smudge fan because that's uh -huh. just really outrageous I tried to smudge it with that I'm like I don't like this and I just put it down and I just like used my hand and I just blew on the smoke but smudge fans really do have like I don't know what my weird hang-up is about that because I understand using them uh -huh. but the really interesting thing is is to try and pay attention what type of feather you're using because you're kind of adding more energy to it because if you think about smudging is you're cleansing or really like rather manipulating the energy around you so when you use a smudge fan with it you're kind of using that energy from this the fan to do it as well mm -hmm. so like think about like are you using a raven feather using a hawk feather are you using you don't know what kind of feather because you got it at a store and you just think it looked really cool but look at the energy of the bird that it came from and like you're lending that energy to the space that you're smudging like that's going into it too yeah and um i know it is illegal to own hawk and owl feathers but and raven and raven now yeah oh wow really I... why why raven now i think it just falls into the same category wow. as as yeah. hawks and and owls this, and this isn't something that i fact-checked it's just something that i've been told and then i realized that everywhere that i've gone that has black feathers if i've asked them they're like they're not raven feathers they're, they're turkey, turkey yeah, and they're dyed turkey yeah one of my friends that lives in burbank i remember a raven 
it must have already died but it got hit by a car on her street and i just really hated seeing all of these cars running over it so i finally went out there and i took it and i buried it and to this day i'm mad at myself i'm like i just gave up all of those beautiful raven feathers but it's okay because i gave that guy a proper burial mm -hmm. well i have a knack for finding uh bird of prey feathers i i do go feather hunting and um yeah and uh i have found feathers i had to not kill the bird to get the feathers so I do use them ritually only. Um, I, You know what? I find them once in a while, too. And sometimes I wonder if that's what I'm seeing. Because I'll look on the ground when I'm walking the dogs at the park. And I'll be like, this feather kind of looks like a raven feather. But I'm like, is it, though? Uh -huh. Um. So sometimes I'm not sure. But there's actually some really cool books that, that oh, yeah. identify them. Absolutely. And I have so, one of those or two of those books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those those books are, are really, like, excellent. But I love that. I love just seeing what feathers will be gifted to me. And I remember when my dad passed away and I went to go see a psychic. And I didn't really tell her anything about him too much. I, I definitely missed saying, like, oh, well, he was a crazy bird dude that had, like, eight birds at home. But as I was leaving her room after the reading, it was a great reading, and she stopped me and she says, hey, I just want to let you know that your dad said that whenever you see a feather, it's him. And I was like, okay, that's got to be him, because how is this lady going to know that feathers are, like, my so dad's thing? Him, yeah. And I find them everywhere. And so I just every time I'd see one, I'd always go, hi, Dad. Uh -huh. And then I would start seeing them at really significant times. And so I always try and collect them. But the interesting thing is I can feel the difference of when it's my dad versus when I just find a feather. Okay. And so, but I'm always wondering what it came from and what I can use it for because they had two really beautiful parrots and so I always had all of these gorgeous parrot feathers, and I remember bringing in this giant trash bag of them to Green Man one day, and I'm like, does anyone want any of these? I have way too many. So everyone picked through them, and then I was like, hey, so what are parrot feathers, like, good for? And everyone kind of sat around and thought about it, and some people said, oh, well, they're good for, like, glamour because they're really beautiful. Oh, they're good for this because of this. The one that stood out for me was curses. Huh. Um, our manager, Griffin, said, well, I guess they would be good for curses because they're loud. And I thought about it, I'm like, that makes so much sense, because these birds are freaking mean. They're so loud. And they're so loud, they're annoying, and then you try and, like, touch them or give them food, and then they just fucking bite you. I'm like, oh, yeah, these are cursed feathers. Yeah. So I won't make smudge bands out of them anymore, because I'm like, I'm going to just save these for someone that I don't like, and be like, here's the parrot feather. <laughs> I love you. Bye. <laughs> so feathers are a big thing. So... We can basically use anything, though, like, even, like, a chalice. My chalice is not some cool, crazy, witchy thing that I found at a magic shop or made. That's another thing you could make yourself as a chalice really yes, easily. Yes, you could. I have a wine glass that I found at a thrift store, and it's this really pretty, like, cobalt blue glass, and it's got a sun painted on it. But um, it's just a wine glass, you know? So if you have, like, a wine glass that you really like or, or something like that, you can use that. You can embellish it. Absolutely. If you'd like to put a pentagram on it, some some glam, some glitter if you want, some sparkle. I think like yeah, like glitter is just like the sign of a witch. My poor <laughs> my poor husband, my cats, my dog, my roommate even. I was real proud of myself that I saw my roommate talking the other day and I saw like a piece of glitter in his mustache <laughs> and I was like, I have done my job. Everybody is witchcrafted oh, in this yes. house. So there's glitter all over everything, but also being a burlesque dancer, that's also kind of extended into rhinestones, which yes. is just like 
hardcore glitter if you really uh-huh. think about it Absolutely. so that's I've started, sparkly. I've started working that into my magic in a lot of different ways, rhinestones, and I, I, because you have to kind of glue it down and it doesn't go away as easy as, as glitter does, I kind of use that more as like, this is permanent, this is staying and kind of locked in. Yeah. But you can honestly use just about anything as a magical tool if you want to, I think. Yeah. But it has to obviously be used just for magic. You don't want to cross-contaminate. Right. We don't like doing that. I mean, and some of the other things that you can have um, on your ritual altar, of course, is like a, an altar cloth. Is it necessary? No. But do we like it? Does it look pretty? Yes, we like it. We also always honor our... She's glazing over that. Not only does she like it, but we have 50 million different ones. <laughs> One for each for each holiday and each mood. Each mood. And each mood that she's in. Don't let her, like, underplay this, guy. She's, like, a junkie for Joanne's. We have a million different ones. And now it's, like, on me because every time I go to Joanne's, too, I'm like, oh, that would be good an altar cloth, too. Yeah. And, oh, I think that one for, like, this holiday has some wax on it. Maybe I need to buy five different fabrics just in case we want to switch it up yeah so that's that's something that is uh, a plus and then we also bring um something to honor the goddess like i always ask my people to bring some flowers to adorn the, the altar she always has but we always forget. and i want them to harvest it on their own meaning go out into the park or someplace where there's flowers that you can get not in someone's backyard and bring them to the altar Yes, yeah, so basically what she's saying is she tells us to do this and to not buy them at the grocery store, right. which uh, about 80% of the time I, I and everyone else forget. One of my favorite memories was I picked up one of my coven mates to get ready for ritual and we're driving down the street and we're like, oh shit, we forgot flowers. And we like pull over at an elementary school and there's <laughs> these kids like playing handball as we're just like picking flowers and we're yeah. like, look away, everything is fine. Yeah, it's better if it's gathered, let's face it. It's better if it's gathered. So. I have to say, like, I've, I've gathered a lot of herbs for altar offerings, for making smudge sticks, for everything in between. And it's really rad when you start to know, like, the area that you're in and what you can find. Because everything, it really is more potent, I think, when you gather it yourself. Or grow it yourself, of course, yeah. if you have your magical garden. Absolutely. If you have the capabilities of doing either of those things, like, totally do it. Save yourself some money and go bond with nature and go do that. And I've done it, and I think I am now an expert in all of the plants that grow publicly, as well as shit that is easy to get to in people's front yards that I may or may not steal once in a while. Uh-huh. But no matter what you're putting on your altar, the most important part is consecration. Right. I think. Because, you know, we can take, an, like, kind of going all the way back to the beginning of this episode when we are talking about athames. I know somebody that bought their athame at an army surplus store. Wow. Okay. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And she's like, you know, I couldn't really find one that I liked. And then I was at a surplus store and I just saw this knife and I, I, I liked it. And I liked the fact that it wasn't really tied to any like magical thing. Like it wasn't bought or made by the store, uh, thinking about magic at all. Uh-huh. And so she's like, I felt like it was like this like kind of like blank canvas. So I liked it. And so I thought that was really cool. And so what you do is you have to consecrate your tools and, 
when I say consecrate your tools, I mean consecrate your tools. I do not consecrate every herb that I have or candle. I may bless them and charge them once I actually work with them, but it's not something like I have this giant like Costco size haul that from like the dollar store from work when I get all my supplies and consecrate everything. I don't know if I'm supposed to, but I don't. Uh-huh. Um, but I do my tools. I do. Do you consecrate all your herbs and all your candles and everything? Well, I mean, you're working them magically, so that's you'll put the power in them when you're doing the work. Yeah. So, but yeah. if you, for instance, bought like a new cauldron or sensor or something, you would you would consecrate yeah, that. You would. I would. So when we talk about consecration, there's a million spells out there that you can find, but at least for me, what I normally see and what I do is I like to incorporate the four elements into right. them. Yes. So I'll have a candle, a stick of incense. A bowl of water and like dirt or salt generally is what I use kind of lined up so that there is a physical representation on my altar of each element and I'll pass the tool through each one uh-huh. asking for blessings from the element and then either like if you have a god and goddess statue or candle point it at each one and ask for blessings from the god and goddess to consecrate this tool and that it may be used for your magical workings. You can also consecrate by the quarters, by each quarter as well. North, south, east, west. So would that tie into working with the elements as well? Yes. Okay. So I like, say, I've noticed that sometimes there's the difference when people are talking about the quarters, they're talking about the directions. They're not necessarily talking about the elements. So I always like to specify. Yeah, our coven uses elements, the elementals in our when we call in our quarters some groups do not which is a matter of preference like i said but we do call in the elements as well in our tradition yeah and so you basically when you consecrate an item you would work it through the quarters and through the elements and through your deities or spirits that you right. use and by and fire and air and water and earth yep all through all of the elements uh-huh. and you ask for a blessing from each one Mm-hmm. for this item and you to can, charge it up to charge it yes up. and yes. what you're doing is you're charging because you're asking for this blessing this charge so that you may use this for your magical workings and that the energy may be strong and may be pure i feel like i have this habit is i'll buy something and then i'll bring it to like one of my coven workings to have it charged on the altar not that I can't charge it at home. I can, but I feel like I always end up buying it the day of a ritual. I don't think I do it on purpose. It's uh-huh. just how it works out. And it always ends up being on, like, a major holiday. Uh-huh. That's how convenient. Right? And so, like, well, I'll I'll pass it through each thing from each of, like, the little, like, element setups that we have in each of the quarters. And then I'll throw it on the altar. And then we kind of just charge it up by chanting over it. And you can chant, like, if there's a specific thing that you want to say, like a saying or a rhyme that works, or you can kind of just, like, do, like, a ma chant, which starts as a whisper, and you end up screaming over right. the tool. Right. I really like screaming. It feels really nice and ridiculous, so sometimes that works, too. But after you consecrate it, then you are good to go with your new witchy ritual tool. Yes, and you know what? You have to respect them, so you want to keep them in a safe, sacred spot like a bag or a box, and you wrap them up neatly so that you just don't throw them in. You really respect your tools. They're part of your trade. Absolutely. I have a purse that never actually got used as a functioning purse that I have my my cloak in and everything else, basically. It's my ritual bag just because I kind of just stuff everything in there, and then I know if I'm going to go to 
any type of ritual. Now, I don't really bring my my personal magical things to a public ritual if I'm going to go like a like for instance if you find one through meetup or like you know like I'm fortunate enough that I work at Green Man so I always have access to public rituals here Uh Um, I don't bring any of my stuff Uh I just bring myself um what about you yeah when I go to a public ritual I mean to me it's a special occasion you know any ritual to me is a special occasion so I will dress for the for the uh, situation, I will wear black and I will look nice, but I won't wear my ritual robe or anything like that. I save that for my grouping and my coven. Exactly. So, like, I don't bring my athame. I don't bring anything like that. I think the only time I've brought any of my tools to, like, anything public is there's this really amazing organization in Los Angeles called Pacific Circle Revival. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And they do a camping trip once a year, and we did it this year. And we I had a blast it was so good i haven't been camping since i was a kid and i was kind of cranky about the whole idea of doing it because i thought camping you're supposed to like be roughing in that it was going to be like kind of like a cheap version of a vacation and it wasn't and i was like why the fuck are we doing this and monica's like oh because of nature i'm like but i can look at nature from my goddamn balcony of my hotel room why am i here um, but I ended up really, really loving it. Yeah, it was great. And that is why my athame has been in my car since June, because that is when we went on that camping trip, and I threw it in the car with everything else, and it has just stayed in there since. Guys, I'm getting in so much trouble right now. Monica's giving me this look <laughs> like, really, bitch? Really? You know, the best part is if you can do circle outside in nature anywhere, oh, my God. It's, it's so much more magical, I think, just you know, connecting with the elements and the animals that are there. I think it's very powerful. Absolutely. Whether you're doing it from like your backyard or like if you go on Facebook, even like I always see different things about full moon hikes that are people, people are doing. So, and I've, I've been in, um, ghost hunting things that I've done in different like spooky haunted hiking trails where, at the end, at like the bottom or the top of the trail that we're going to, I've actually stumbled upon rituals where I obviously have disrupted the people doing them. Uh-huh. And I have found like, you know, like the tea lights still going and stuff. So you can really kind of use anything. You've got to just get creative. But there's nothing And be wrong. safe, of course, with the fire. You don't want to cause a forest fire or anything like that. Yes, let's please not set California on fire oh, any more than we fires. already yeah. do. Yeah, for sure. There's also nothing wrong with doing your spell at your your altar at home or like even if you just need to kind of work something and you just like you're in an apartment and you peer out your window at the moon Uh that is a-okay too yeah and you don't necessarily have to cast a circle to do magic you can and if you have the power and the time to do it absolutely go for it but you don't necessarily need to be in a circle to, to do magic so when i cast a circle I feel like I only really do that if I'm doing more like traditional rituals, like with a group of people. When I sit down to do like carve a candle, for instance, or work a mojo bag or something like that, I don't do a circle for those. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. What would you say, being someone that's a little bit more experienced, where would you say, like, here's where you need to, here's where you don't? Because I'll cast a circle. I almost always cast a circle if I'm working with another person. I don't know why. That's just kind of where I'm at. If there's two of us, like, a circle is being cast and taken down. But if it's just me and I'm just doing, like, a more practical, hands-on type of magic, I don't cast a circle. Uh So where is your line with it, though? I think if I'm going to be doing ritual, that's where, or any magic 
in that ritual, that's when the, the circle will be cast. But otherwise, you know, I'm just in my magical space. I have a magical cabinet and magical, you know, with all my stuff. And I feel like that's enough of a sacred space. And too. when we say magical cabinet, we mean like our drawer cabinet or cupboard full of our herbs, our candles, our oils, all of that other stuff that's kind of in there. Yes, parchment paper for doing intentions. If, if the group does do intentions, we use parchment paper. Or sometimes when we don't have parchment paper, we use just brown paper bag cut up. I have a fun question for you because this is something that I was thinking about. What is your one like weird magical item or ingredient that you've used that isn't necessarily a magical thing or something you don't really come across, but you're like, this thing is my jam and it goes into all my stuff? Okay, well, it doesn't go into all my stuff, but sometimes I will do a spell in which I use balloons where you blow out maybe the negativity into the balloon or you can blow a wish into the balloon and then you build up with a chant or you charge it up and then you pop it and release the magic. So that's one of my quirky little tools that I use. I I love that. I feel like I, rhinestones are probably my one thing that you wouldn't like think are magical that I use for magic just because being someone that does performances and that does burlesque, all burlesque dancers will tell you that like glitter and rhinestones are, are the real gods. Uh-huh. You know? They're your friends. Yes, they are our friends. Yes. You worship them. They're very expensive and you just like kind of secretly hoard them. I, I, I know for a fact that if you crawl around on my floor enough, you will find a million of them. Every time my husband will va- will like not vacuum when he, when he sweeps. Cause when I sweep, I just like silently pick them out like shamefully so that no one sees, but my husband like gives me this dirty look. <laughs> my dog has had to go to the vet and he threw up there and they were like, so we found some rhinestones. I'm like, oh, of my. course you did. He's my dog. But I don't just use them for my costume. I mean, I do use them in magic. I have a special oil blend that I make. And each bottle that I put on, I put a rhinestone on top of it that kind of corresponds with that color. I've given that my Venus statue has a couple of them. She's not covered in them because it's Venus. Like, she's not tacky, but she does tastefully like bling, you know? Uh-huh. So I'll do things like that or put them in mojo bags, like, especially for artists or musician or dancer mojo bags. I put them in there for tracking as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I use, I use a lot of that. And then I think my one, like, magical thing, because I think we build relationships with different tools, different herbs, like, talking about it, like, my wand, I don't necessarily feel like I have that need, that relationship yet but with my my athame I do but my herb of choice is eyebright and I realized that yesterday when I was cleaning out my apothecary at home and I had jars upon jars and like wow I even like a napkin like just full of it and I can like recognize it by sight because I guess I just keep buying it forgetting that I have it but yeah so me and eyebright are like we're homies that's cool what about you I like Rue Rue is my go-to I love her. Um, it's protective. It's banishing. I just love it. And like I it's said. It's protective, it, really, guys, because it smells like cat pee. Oh, man. It's, I hate the way it smells, but I don't care because it does what it's supposed to do. It does. And you can find it, like, in a lot of grocery stores. I see it. it's Rue, R-U-E, but um, I found it at 
a different grocery store. Being in Los Angeles, I feel like we're really fortunate, which is like that melting pot culture and like all these different plants that grow here. So usually if you're going to spot it in LA, it's going to be Ruda, R-U-D-A. Yes. And I stumbled across it there because I was in the produce section of a grocery store and I was like, I smell cat pee. I know what that is. It's brew. It's somewhere. I don't know why it's at a grocery store because I don't know what you use it for other than spiritual stuff. Yeah, I don't know because it's not really edible. I don't think you can eat it. I'm not sure. So if anyone listening has an answer for that please email us and tell us what the answer is winespiritsandwitches at gmail.com because I want to know like I want you guys to write in anyone that's listening to this and you're like okay clueless stray guys like I use rue and this is bar like please tell me because I'm curious now I do believe though back in time they did use it medicinally for something but I just don't remember what it was for I know that it's not to be used um, for women that are pregnant Okay. That part I do know, but I think that there are other uses for it. I just don't know what they are, so yeah. I am intrigued. I do have some friends that are herbalists, and I may drag a few of them onto our show at some point. So hopefully they will educate us on it. Speaking of education, our next episode, I'm so excited for our next episode. It's going to be our Ask a Witch. Okay. So every so often, Monica and I are going to do an episode called Ask a Witch where you guys are able to email us in questions that you have or if you just want to share an experience, uh, just to share it and get it out there. If you want feedback on it, you can give us that and we will include it in our episode when we do our Ask a Witch segment. So you can reach us at winespiritsandwitches at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at winespiritsandwitches and share this with us and we will get it up there and we will try our best to answer all the questions that we can. Yes. And we we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you guys want to know, what you guys want to share and see what we can kind of do that way just so that we can help kind of like go beyond this basic stuff and get, well, not basic, but just go beyond and like we want to answer your questions. Don't forget, though, one more thing about your ritual space would be uh, there are quarter candles. Some of, some groups do, some covens do use quarter candles to mark the quarters. So, and sometimes you can use a candle or you can use statuary or something that represents that quarter. So, what do these quarters look like? Don't, don't leave them hanging, man. Well, in our tradition, we have, we use a green candle in the north for earth. In the east, we use a yellow candle. In the south, we use a red candle. And in the north, we use, I mean, in the west, we use a blue candle. So in the east, we'll use a yellow candle for air. Right. And in the south, we'll use a red candle for, for fire. fire. And in the west, we will use a blue candle for water. And in the earth, of course, green. We'll use green, yes. So, yeah. And so those are that. And I think at some point, we will actually just have a full-on episode talking about the elements, what you can do with them, how you work with them, how to be aware of them and everything in between. So for that, you bitches will just have to wait. Yes, and don't forget the most important thing about doing ritual, well, for us anyway, not all traditions go this, not all traditions release their uh, quarters. We do, especially since we use elementals, because you do definitely do not want to have the elementals hanging around because it, they will cause havoc in your space yes and we will touch base on that on a later episode we will teach you how to put up and take down a circle and i'm sure we will find all sorts of stories of fuckery that we can share about what elementals will do when left unattended but until then merry Merry meet meet, merry part and merry meet again. again